This is episode 87 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are The Importance of Good Morale in a Post-SHTF World Prepping on a Budget, How to Get Survival Supplies When You Have Almost No Money and Life After SHTF, Learning to Live Without Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Our first article comes to us from American Preppers Online, and the article is entitled The Importance of Good Morale in a Post-SHTF World. I think it's an important topic to to visit. I don't think too many, um, well, I haven't seen too many of these recently. Uh, where I can link to them on Prepper website. So let's go ahead and get into this one. Hello, my friends, and welcome back. Most people's morale varies from day to day, and in some cases, hour by hour, depending on what's going on in their life. Just how important is morale in a post-SHTF world and why? This is the topic of today's post, so grab a cup of coffee, my friend, and have a seat while we visit. Let's start out with how Webster Dictionary defines morale. Definition of morale. First definition, uh, the mental and emotional condition as of enthusiasm, confidence, or loyalty of an individual or group with regard to the function or task at hand. The team's morale is high. Also, a sense of common purpose with respect to a group. A spirit of core, the ship's morale improved after two days of shore leave. The second definition, the level of individual psychological well-being based on such factors as a sense of purpose and confidence in the future, the failure of his play did not affect his morale. Personally, I like definition number three because I think it best describes morale as it should relate to a post-SHTF world. This is important and in fact far more important than most people realize. A good morale will be critical to your survival whether you realize it or not. Just imagine that it has all hit the fan and you're forced to hunker down with your preps and wait out the walking dead looking for food as well as roving gangs and possibly even your own government. Knowing what lies ahead and that you will in all probability be forced to take human lives in order to survive would be enough to crush anyone's morale. Constantly living in fear of losing your life is enough in itself to get you or get anyone down. It's not just a matter of hoping things will get better. You have to believe it. You have to believe in yourself and those around you. You have to know deep down inside yourself that you will survive and hold on to that faith. To do this, you must first have a purpose and a burning desire to fulfill the purpose no matter what. This purpose will be different for each person. Your purpose could be to see that e- to see that you and the people in your group survive or it could be to reach your children who are far away from home and make sure they are safe if you have any hope of surviving in a post shtf world you must have a purpose to guide you and your actions you have to believe in your heart of hearts that you will succeed in fulfilling that purpose no matter what it's that burning desire that will help you survive things you never thought you could You can come through anything if you only believe. One of my favorite sayings is, The anchor holds and the storm will subside. I'm not sure just who said it, but I know there are reference to it in the Bible. It means that if you hold to your faith no matter what, you will survive the storm. As simple as that little saying, it is very profound if you think about it. 
Oh sure, there will be times when you will feel sad, like when you see people starving or dying from disease. No one could look upon that and not be saddened. In fact, if it doesn't, then you have a major problem. You can't let living in a post-SHTF world get you down. You need to find joy in the little places you can, like watching children play and laugh. Seek out places and things that make you happy and hold on to it as long as you can. So what can you do to help keep in, keep you and your group's morale up? To answer this, just take a look back in the time when there were no computers or phones and see how they lived. Things you can do are to play games of some type during your downtime and make winning a sport. Play football, basketball, baseball, or even soccer if weather allows. Don't let it create bitter rivalries, but rather use it to build teamwork and just have fun doing it. Other things you could do is to pack instant pudding and things that could be used as special treats to lift your spirits from time to time. Play music and dance at least once a week when you can. Another great thing people used to do was to gather around the radio and listen to or listen as family or groups. You would be surprised at what you can learn when you do. Make up stories and tell them around the campfire at night. Make toys that young children can use to entertain themselves. You will just have to take my word on this one, but you need to have plenty of pens and paper as well as art supplies in your preps. In Afghanistan during the war, many soldiers spent their downtime drawing pictures of what they had seen or writing about it. Some wrote songs and played the guitar, while others beat on empty five-gallon buckets along with the music. You would be amazed how comforting it can be to just create something in the middle of destruction. It helps keep one's feeling balanced and improves their morale in the worst of situations. Maybe you're like me and have no artistic talent, but don't let that stop you. I never have. It all comes down to this. When you are prepping to survive in a post-SHTF world, remember to have things in your preps that serve no other use but to have fun and raise people's spirits. Keeping morale high with you and your group should be a major priority and needs to be prepared for. In the end, you will not only be happier for it, but you will increase your chances of survival a hundredfold. Well, that's it for today's post, and I hope you have enjoyed it. Enjoyed reading it. Until next time, my friends, stay safe, stay strong, and stay prepared. God bless America. Sarge. All right, so um, I think this is, again, I already said it, but I think this is an important topic to consider. Uh, when we were in the group home, my wife and I ran a group home for kids in CPS custody for about 11 and a half years. And there was a study done uh, for people who, uh, for group home parents, because there, you can imagine uh, there was a high turnover rate. So we were, um, we were one of the youngest couples that ever uh, they that they ever hired. In fact, I was so young that they had to get an insurance waiver for me to be able to drive the group home van. Uh, but uh, we were one of the youngest couples and the longest couple that ever stayed with them. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, one of the the studies that was done was that the people who have because there was a big turnover rate, um, the people who had a faith were doing it because of a sense of purpose because of their faith tended to last a lot longer than people that were doing it just because they wanted to kind of feel good about it. And so I always kind of remember that, um, you know, having having a point of purpose like Sarge was talking about is going to be very, very important. 
Um, you know, for me, my biggest thing is going to be my faith. And, uh, you know, where does that faith play in? You know, what does, what does God want for me? You know, is there still, there's still work for me to do, uh, in this world? Uh, you know, that's the way that I would see it until, you know, my last dying breath or, or however all that plays out. So, uh, that's going to be important, you know, important and, uh, having hope and faith and being able to, uh, look beyond, uh, just your current situation. And so, uh, some good advice on different things you can do, playing some games, definitely playing music. I mean, you know, you get around a campfire and, you know, you have somebody that can tell a good story. I mean, that's entertaining. That's fun. Um, you know, if you're just being around a campfire for a lot of people, that's fun too. Just hanging out, being around a campfire. But again, if you're around someone and they're telling great stories, I mean, you're entertained, you're having fun. That's a good deal. If you're around a campfire and you have someone playing a guitar and they're playing music that everyone knows and songs that everyone can sing, that's, you know, that's a, a, a good thing too. I just, uh, I just remember this story, uh, when, uh, before we started in the in the group home, uh, I was a liquid petroleum gas surveyor on the ship channel on the Houston ship ship channel, and uh, my supervisor uh, I, I came to relieve him off of one of the ships one day, and he was just like he goes yeah you know, a lot of the times the crew I mean the crew was split up I mean usually you had like a German uh, German officers crew, and then you had like Filipino uh, you know the workers were Filipinos or whatever. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times the officers always wanted us, you know, invited us to be with them. But uh, he was telling me that the Filipino crew had the funnest times, man, because one of the guys uh, on this one specific ship, well, one of the guys had uh, a guitar and he had uh, uh, an Eagles fake book, right? And a fake book is basically where uh, you have guitar uh, or you have songs, and then you have these chords, basic chords, and you're able to play a song. But anyway, he was playing all the like the greatest hits, and all they were all singing along and having a good time. And he said it was it was so much more fun uh, to be around those guys. Time passed so much quicker. It was so much more fun to be around those guys than to be with the stuffy officers, you know, over there, uh, you, you know, doing doing their thing. And so uh, you get around a campfire, you have somebody with with uh, you know, a guitar and, and, you know, those kinds of things, uh, time passes a lot faster. So ways to, ways to, uh, keep morale up. That's important. And I, I can just tell you that's important in any organization, in any, on any campus. Uh, if you're an, uh, an educator, uh, you know, for whatever you do, keeping up morale is important and something that, uh, you know, it's always a struggle and you're always wanting to, uh, devote some time to it and devote you know some money to it because it is important. So a uh, good article over there. Go check that out at AmericanPreppersOnline.com. Moving on to our next article, uh, it's one that I think a lot of people will be interested in because uh, it's talking about prepping on a budget, how to get survival supplies when you have almost no money. And uh, so there might be some things uh, that you haven't heard before. There might be some things that kind of make you cringe a little bit. But um, it might be, you know, it might get get you to the point like, you know what, it might not be that bad uh, after you think about it. And there are a lot of comments here, so you'll want to go check out those. Uh, so uh, askaprepper.com is, uh, is the website. And prepping on a budget, how to get survival supplies when you have almost no money is the article. Let's start reading this one. 
I look at the prepping lifestyle as getting your preps with as little cash outlay as possible. I spend enough of my cash just trying to get by in the world and don't have a lot of extra left over for prepping. I have found several ways to get many of my preps for little or no money. I'm pretty sure no matter how, no matter your situation, you can use one or more of these ideas to help you save money on your own gear and supplies. Dumpster diving. I'll start with the free stuff because that is where you should start as well. I have found it just about everything under the sun while dumpster diving. If you want food, check out grocery stores. They throw away literal tons of produce. Much of this can still be used. You will find bread, rolls, bagels, pies, cakes, frozen entrees that are expired, dented cans, and much more. You can eat it yourself, feed it to your livestock, cut it up, and dehydrate it for storage food, or even trade it to others. Diving construction sites should supply you with all the building materials you will ever need. Sure, you won't find too many full-size sheets of plywood or full-length dimension lumber, but you should be able to scrounge up enough for most prepper building projects. Be sure to ask the foreman for permission to go through the scrap. Business dumpsters are usually full of cardboard. If you have a use for that, you can get all you want for free. Sometimes you will come across store returns that have been tossed in the dumpster. Sometimes these are repairable or may not even have anything wrong with them in the first place. Apartment dumpsters around the end of the month are usually pretty good to hit. They have everything that the tenants moving out didn't feel like moving. Lots of times I have found boxes full of food where someone had emptied their pantry and set the box beside the dumpster. You might get real lucky and have a friend who happens to work at the dump and allows you to wander around looking for things during working hours. And all this, just keep an eye out for things you can use or sell. Aluminum, brass, and copper still bring decent money and dumpsters are full of the stuff. Dumpsters are a gold mine of free prepping supplies or things you can sell to buy those supplies. I have even found ammunition, money, tools, and military items. A dollar store. There are several YouTube videos out there featuring the dollar store challenge. You get $10 and have to buy enough to get you through the night out in the wild, start a fire, and provide three meals. After watching a couple of these, I had my own ideas and headed to my local nothing over a dollar store. I found your basic lighters and matches, but also came across a 10 by 12 drop cloth used for painting, which is compact and perfect for a bug out bag. If you were taking the challenge or had very little money, one of the chef's knives for a dollar would make a serviceable survival knife. But what really surprised me about the dollar store is mine has shelf-stable milk for a dollar a quart. Most of it is dated at least six months out. There are also several other food items you might want to check out if you are keeping on, I'm sorry, if you are keen on packing your own MRE type meals. Thrift store. I have found thrift stores to be hit or miss. When they hit, they really pay off, and when they miss, they tend to be kind of boring. In the cooking section, look for cast iron pots, Dutch ovens, and skillets, along with knives or other utensils that you may not have that would help you butcher, store, or otherwise prepare storage, storage food. I have seen many dehydrators over the years. If you get one, be sure it's one that has a fan to move the air. The, the still air ones do not work well. That is why they are in a thrift store. If they have a camping section, look it over well. I have seen lots of Coleman stuff there. I picked up my current two-burner stove for $5. In the clothing section, and by the way, that's an awesome deal. Uh, recently I saw some. I mean, they were like 
45 50 dollars i couldn't believe um they're really i mean really expensive now um, in the clothing section, look for good work boots. I picked up a pair of almost new Chippewa insulated work boots for 45 cents. Yes, that is cents. Camo and used BDUs can be had if you look hard enough. The last thing is to look at the books. I have seen where it looks like someone's crazy prepper uncle died and the relatives donated all his books. Thrift stores can have some really good finds for very little money. Here are 50 prepper items to shop for at the thrift store or yard sale. Hey, so uh, talking about a thrift store, I knew a person who would go to thrift stores. They would hit the thrift stores on a regular basis, and they would look for items that were fairly new or items that they could clean up or items that people didn't realize were expensive. And so uh, this person that I knew found uh, these boots, these uh, women's boots one time, uh, and they were like, you know, they were like funky looking boots. She looked them up and realized that they were a high priced item. I think she got them for like five bucks. She went home, cleaned them up, put them on eBay and made over $200 off of that. And so there are people that I know that do that, um, as well as for garage sales. Well, they'll go to garage sales and they'll find some toys or something that people are just trying to sell and get rid of. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times if you'll hit a garage sale after, I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but uh, towards the end, uh, you know, ask the people, hey, like, when are you going to close up? And you go a little bit before that. A lot of the times they're going to get rid of a lot of things. They're going to either leave it out. Uh, I know here in the Houston area, people have put up on Craigslist, uh, you know, finish my garage sales, things that didn't sell here, you know, out on the curb if you want it. Or they'll, they'll pack it up and take it to uh, a Goodwill store. And so if you're there, you're just going to give them, you know, uh, they don't have to pack it up and take it. You can just take it yourself there. But so uh, that's always something to consider. All right. Uh, but I was getting ahead of myself. Uh, next, uh, antique stores. Antique stores are great for finding that one item you want or need, and you just don't want to spend money on a new one. If a prepper needs a job done, you can be sure that most likely someone 100 years ago needed that same type job done. What the old timers used to do that job will be found in the antique stores. Flea markets. Lots of us preppers like to rummage around a flea market looking for deals or gears looking for deal deals on gear and supplies i've gotten way too many good deals to list but you can find things like knives guns animal traps military surplus farm and homesteading equipment or even silver coins to invest in you never know what may pop up at the flea market salvage grocery store we have what they call a salvage grocery store a few miles from our house we try to go every week to see what is thrown in the bargain bin these stores buy expired, close to expiring, or damaged and overstocked groceries, buy the truckload, and make them available to the public. Here's everything you need to know about expiration dates and what's safe to consume and when. Ours is similar to a regular grocery with its aisles only on the small side. Where it differs is that much of the stock turns over every week. One week they may have a great deal on coffee, lots of different brands, real cheap, and the next week not have any at all. We have found some incredible deals. A couple of months ago, we saw tuna packed in olive oil with oregano. It looked like high-end stuff and packed in olive oil it should store for ages. We bought all they had at $0.59 cents a can. When we got home, I looked it up online and found it was some European tuna that cost €5 Euros a can. 
These salvage groceries can be great places to pick up food you plan on storing. And sometimes, if you're lucky, you may get some really high-end stuff for a bargain price. Auctions. I love auctions. I have gotten lots of gear at auctions for much less than it would cost me, even in a surplus store. I have picked up a shotgun for $20, cheap ammo, prepper and survival books, Backwoodsman magazine, primo stuff there, and lots of other things. Sometimes buy the box full for a dollar a bid. Just be careful you don't get into the auction frenzy and pay more than things are worth. Here are 50 low-priced items that will be invaluable when SHTF. So at Ask a Prepper, he ties in a lot of older articles, you know, inside these paragraphs. That's that's why sometimes I'm reading those, and it, it doesn't seem to fit in. But uh, there are article or yeah, other posts and articles that you can link to. Continuing continuing on online shopping, I keep an eye on things like eBay and Craigslist when I am looking for something specific. I figure out how much I want to pay and don't go over it. A couple of years ago, I decided everyone in the family needed a fiberglass hunting bow. It took me about a month, but I paid less than $20 each for them, and now we each have one along with a couple of spares. Shop around and be prepared to let someone else win that bid. It is not a competition. Second job. If all else fails and you still can't seem to be able to scrounge up your gear, you may have to bite the bullet and get a second job. I have a friend who makes a comfortable living as an accountant. He also has a second job as a clerk at a convenience store. He pulls all his second income into a separate, I'm sorry, he puts all his second income into a separate bank account and uses it for mad money, things like vacations and hunting trips. If you took a similar approach for your preps and designated one stream of income or a portion of one to buying gear and preps, you should be able to set a budget and plan how to buy any piece of gear your heart desires. Miscellaneous. The big thing to remember is always look for a way to get it cheaper or even free. If you see a great deal on something and can get more than one, get it and then trade it for something else you need. In addition, always keep an eye out for things you can sell. You may not need it, but if you can sell it, you will have the extra cash. Our predecessors did okay for themselves without much cash. The Native Americans did okay for themselves with no money at all. All it takes is the right mindset and keeping your eyes open for a way to hold on to your hard-earned cash. Again, so a lot of you know a lot of comments over here. About 17 comments. You know, someone saying be careful with dented food, botulism, and all that good stuff. Uh, so anyway, you will go, want to definitely go check that out. A lot of ways here, a lot of uh, advice, um, you know, hitting, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, when you go to a thrift store, getting to know some of the workers there and saying, hey, you know, when do y'all put new things out? Is there ever a time of the month where, you know, it's best to hit things when, you know, or do you put things out in the early in the morning or do you just put things out as as, as things go? Um, you know, uh, knowing someone maybe in a back room and saying, hey, if you ever see this type of thing, uh, you know, will you let me know, you know, uh, maybe even giving them, giving them a few bucks, uh, you know, would be, uh, you know, would be the wrong thing to do. But uh, <laughs> I've heard of people doing that before. But uh, if, uh, if maybe making some connections, there's always, you know, it doesn't hurt to go make those those good connections with people and just asking them those questions. Hey, when do y'all put new stuff out and all that kind of stuff? So uh, a lot of good things. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Uh, the next one comes to us from survivalistprepper.net. 
Uh, Dell and Lisa run Survivalist Prepper, and, and it's a podcast. But uh, Dell also puts together a, a post for every podcast that he puts out, and this one's fairly uh, a fairly long article for his uh, podcast. Uh, on this one, it's entitled "Life After SHTF: Learning to Live Without," and so this is uh, you know this might be one that you might want to uh, to seriously consider. So let's go ahead and start reading this one. The world we live in today is filled with conveniences, conveniences we often take for granted. We are so busy consumed with what we must do every single day, we forget to think about what life would be like without them. Life after SHTF means learning to live without these modern conveniences. What would happen if you woke up tomorrow and all the modern conveniences were gone? What would you do? Would you be able to not only survive but thrive in the event of a world changing all modern conveniences gone type of scenario. This is just my opinion, but I think that prepping is more common in the United States because we have more to lose than people in most countries. What we call an SHTF event, other people call daily life. This is both good and bad. It's good because we are lucky enough to live in a country where even the poorest of us live a better life than people in some other countries. It's bad because people in the U.S. have come to expect this and feel entitled. This is why an SHTF or disaster scenario is much more concerning to us than, say, somewhere in Africa or some other area of the Middle East. As the saying goes, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. This week in the Survivalist Prepper podcast, we talked about how life might be after a small or large-scale disaster scenario. Just about everything we talked about in the show can be applied to a short-term power outage, or a large-scale financial crisis. How important is electricity? What would you do if you didn't have electricity? If the power went out, off, and never came back on, a lot of people would die, literally. This is sad but true. We have come to expect that when we flip the light switch on, it will always work. But what happens one day when it doesn't? Everything we do these days revolves around electricity. Not having electricity would mean much more than having to use a flashlight. It would affect how we fill up our gas tanks, how we get our food, how we access our money in the bank, and much more. Refrigeration. Refrigeration is something many of us have come to feel will just always be there. But what would you do if you didn't have standard refrigeration? This is when it comes time to think outside of the box. You can make your own icebox, and for those of us that are lucky enough to live in a colder environment, this would be easier to do, especially when the weather is cold. But what do you do when the weather is bloody hot? The answer is simple. We need to figure out an alternative. People have been doing that for for longer than all of us have been around, and some cultures do it to this day. It's hard for some Americans to grasp, but some countries don't have Walmarts and frozen food sections, yet somehow they survive. So yeah, that's uh, being in Texas and being in the Houston area. That's one of my concerns uh, because you know you you see um, you know uh, post. I haven't actually I haven't seen one in a while, but the the zero pot where you have two pots in between and then you have a, a layer of insulation of uh, sand. And then you wet the sand, and then, you, but you can't do that in uh, in an environment that's real humid, and so that really wouldn't work in uh, in the Houston area because our humidity is terrible. Uh, maybe a little bit further up no- north, maybe in East Texas, where uh, where Dad's uh, Dad's property is, 
maybe it would work a little bit better, but still there's humidity up there as well. So, uh, yeah, that is a concern. Uh, we we read the article yesterday about the person who was bugging out who was looking for a little, uh, you know, a little refrigerator that would run on solar. I think uh, I have looked into those uh, myself, and I just didn't like the reviews that I that I saw on those. Uh, I do remember reading a post. Um, I think it was it was a, from a homesteading post uh, or a homesteading website, and uh, they changed the capacitor of a freezer to because they were running on solar, and uh, they changed the capacitor or something on a freezer to make it run more like a refrigerator. And that dropped the power uh, needs down considerably, and it seemed to work. Um, man, I'm going to have to track that one down. If, uh, if I remember, I'll try to do that, although it's really, really late tonight. So, but if I remember, I'll try to find that one and, uh, and link it on uh, episode 87. All right, let's continue on. Continue on. Continue on. I can talk. Uh, it is late, but... Uh, yeah, I'm fumbling over my words here, so I apologize for that. Continuing on, <laughs> when darkness falls, most people these days don't have a clue about how important having light is. A power outage would not only make it impossible to do anything after dark, it would affect hospitals, stores, and our jobs. The ability to actually see what we are doing is kind of important. As preppers, we probably have plenty of alternate alternatives for light when the power goes out. If you don't, you might want to start working on that. You have glow sticks, candles, flashlights, generators, and more than can be used in a grid-down event. Life without the internet. Even though the internet has only been around for a short time, so many of us have come to expect it, will always be here for us. I will be the first to admit the internet has made life a lot easier. If you don't know how to do something, where is the first place you look? And what if you want a new recipe for dinner? You get the idea, right? We use the internet for everything. Not only will our ability to learn new skills be hampered, our other online activities will be affected as well. Many people do their shopping online these days, and very few people carry physical cash with them. Most of our jobs would be affected as well, even if we don't directly work with the internet. Most companies depend on the internet for inventory, bookkeeping, and keeping your check direct or getting your check direct deposited. As they say, idle hands are the devil's workshop, and in a grid-down event, we could see a lot of downtime. Having supplies to keep you entertained will not only keep everyone busy, it will help you maintain your sanity as well. Board games, physical books, musical instruments, and art supplies are just a few ideas. Keep in mind these items will need to be usable without power. My personal favorite board game is the w <laughs> World War II game, Axes and Allies. It literally takes days to finish. Um, yeah, we've actually played that for like a game night for church, and that is a fun game, Axes and Allies. Uh, it's funny that we bring up all these board games and, and musical instruments and things like that. Uh, you know, we, that's been uh, twice tonight, uh, two different articles. So I think that's kind of interesting, right? Uh, moving on. Heat and AC. This will depend on where you live, so I can only speak on this from our perspective. It doesn't get too hot where we live during the summer. Yes, it gets really warm, but not like Arizona or Nevada. However, in the winter it gets cold, and I mean really cold, so our priority is staying warm. Having a heating source other than the furnace is very important, and there are options, like a fireplace or, my favorite, a wood-burning stove. 
you will have to think about how you will stay warm or cold and deal with it. So start thinking about that now. You might think you might think that air conditioning is a luxury, but for some people, such as the elderly, it is completely necessary. Running water. If we are talking about a grid down event, eventually the water will stop running into your home. What are your options? Do you have a well? Without electricity, your well pump won't work. You need to have a water source. This is imperative for survival. Have at least two viable options of how you will get water. Water is not just important for drinking. We also use it for hygiene and cleaning. How would you take a shower? How would you flush the toilet? How would you do laundry? All of these are things we have probably thought about, but the average person hasn't. Loss of income. Having an income is important, especially since many of us are living the American dream, meaning we are in debt and our current jobs barely cover the cost. So many of us are living paycheck to paycheck. But what happens if that paycheck suddenly stops? What will you do? Not only could we be out of work for a while, but the money we already have could be inaccessible. We have all heard horror stories about bank holidays, and if there was a run on the banks, you can bet they would close their doors. Fuel the fire. It is a repeating theme in this article, look for alternatives. Don't take for granted that you will always have gas in your tank or the stove will work because life happens and things change. Look for alternatives because eventually the fuel you have stored will run out. When I talk about fuel, I'm not just talking about gasoline for your car. Fuel could be wood, propane, solar power, and even food to keep our our gas tanks full. In the show, we talked a little bit about the sun oven. The sun oven is a great cooking option because all it requires is a little cooking knowledge and the power of the sun. Use the link in the sidebar or the top right to get a $70 off so to get $70 off if you're interested. In the event of a grid down event, the way we consume food will change. The size and duration of this event will determine how much. Buying a juicy steak or a quick and easy frozen dinner won't be an option if the grocery stores can't keep them cold. Keeping our food cold and fresh won't be an issue if we don't have it in the first place. Most people don't give a second thought to where their food comes from. Without power, the availability, supply lines, quality would all be affected. People wouldn't be able to grow or process the food, and even if they could, they wouldn't be able to get it to our local store. These days, when the roof or plumbing springs a leak, we can call the repairman. This might not be the case in a grid-down event. Without power, these people might not be able to properly do their job. Even if they could, you might be on a waiting list for some time. On a side note, people with these trade skills like electricians, welders, and auto mechanics will be extremely important in an SHTF scenario. These people would be the ones helping to rebuild. Another aspect of life that we take for granted is our public servants. The police department, the fire department, the emergency room, and even trash removal are all there at our beck and call. We need to understand that these are people too. When push comes to shove, their families are their first priority, just like us. Even if they are able to provide help, their ability to do so would be severely hampered without electricity. Without power, how would you let them know you need help? They would be able to communicate with each other. Sorry, they wouldn't be able to communicate with each other and may not be able to get fuel in their vehicles. In some disaster scenarios, the most important issue could be the lack of medical help available. A grid down event could severely affect how they got to you, how you got to them, or how much they could help when you got there. Without power, a hospital would be extremely limited with the help they could provide. On top of that, they, 
they could become overwhelmed very quickly. There are a number of factors that could play into this type of disaster scenario. Medical staff available, services available with no electricity, supplies available, and number of casualties. Many people have to have medication in order to live, but what happens when there is no more medication? Sadly, many people will die. If you are healthy or borderline healthy now, your best bet is to stay that way. Get in shape now, eat better, and get farmer fit. Work on building muscle and strength. As far as medication is concerned, learn alternatives. Many medications that have been created use plant and herbs. Learn about medicinal plants and essential oils. Nature has an incredible way of providing what we need if we just take the time to learn. Final thoughts. I know this was quite a long post, but it just shows how much our lives will change in any disaster scenario, big or small. Life after SHTF not only means learning to live without, but also learning to live differently, adjusting to the new normal. If you have any thoughts on this subject, I'd love to hear them in the comments below. All right, so uh, you know, an article to kind of shake us a little bit and to think about our lives and, and uh, what we have and what we take for granted. Talk a lot about uh, talk a lot about uh, especially in church, like you know when we're talking about faith and and those kinds of things and and hope and you you know I use I've used that in the past at least uh, where you can go flip the switch on you know your electrical lights and you just know that it's going to you don't even you don't even think about it um, so uh, so there's a story I'll end with this and, and just end the the podcast with this little story. Uh, not too long ago, in our, our restroom has uh, two lights, right? And so it has one over the vanity and one over the toilet area. And the one over the toilet area um, burnt out. And so I needed to change it, but I just never got around to doing it. It was like all week and, and uh, you know, uh, things like the podcast and other things get going and you just kind of wind up, you know, the, the other light over the vanity gives you enough light um, but it would be nice to have that other light. But anyway, so, you know, in the middle of the night or whenever, if I have to wake up and or whatever, go to the restroom, um, I usually, so I don't dis disturb uh, my wife, I, I would have turned on just the one that's, uh, you know, over the toilet. But when I was doing that, when this light was out for this uh, this week, um, I would I would flip the switch on because just you know, automatically you believe that it's going to be on. And you just you get so used to it, you're on automatic pilot, and so you go flip the switch, and then you you know you're in your your days you know because you you're awake, uh, and you realize the light's not on, so you got to go turn on the other one. And so that happened a couple of times, and I'm like, man, you know, I finally got to the point, I think it was Friday evening or Friday morning when I finally said, you know what, I just need to go, <laughs> I just need to go change this. And so uh, I, I just, you know, finally changed it, but it was, it was funny. There was even a time where I had turned it on. It, it, this was, I think this was the, the Friday when I decided to go ahead and change it. I had flipped it on. Uh, to turn it on and realize that it didn't turn on, use the restroom, and I flipped it off to turn it off. <laughs> when I did that, I'm like, I was telling myself, I, I turned it on and I turned it off, and the, there's not even a light bulb that's working in there. So it's time to go get it. I need to go stop messing around. And so I uh, just took a little bit of time to do that, to get that done. 
So, uh, you know, we are so accustomed to it. We're just so used to just flipping on the lights and, and, and doing that, uh, you know, turning on the water faucet, flushing the toilet, and then everything is just there, you know, turning on the hot water and it's, it's going to be there, uh, opening the refrigerator and it's going to be cold. So, uh, you know, that's, that is something to think about. What would you do uh, if, if you were in a situation like that? Some of us have it a little bit more easily than others, depending on our location in uh, wherever we're at. Uh, you know, would depend on like heating and, and, and AC and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, there you go. All right, so that's it for episode 87. Make sure you go check out uh, these articles. Uh, they all have, and Survivalist Prepper has links, as well as Ask a Prepper has links to uh, stuff in uh, American Preppers Online uh, does have always is always a good website to link to. There is one uh, link in that article, but it's going to the definition. But Sarge always has good stuff over there. You want to go check out. All right. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. If you get a chance, come to the website and uh, drop me a comment or share us out. We always appreciate that when you share us out on social media or even just spread the word you know, by uh, word of mouth. Uh, that, that means a lot, right? When someone says, hey, there's this podcast that I've been listening to. You might want to check it out. Uh, I know that when I've told people that about other podcasts, they, they do. And so uh, it's not just something random that's popping up on social media. This is someone that you know that's saying, hey, this is a podcast that might be interested, that might interest you. And so when you do that, uh, that really, really means a lot. So I, I do appreciate that um, and, and love to get feedback uh, about what you, you, what you think the podcast or how you think the podcast is doing and uh, you know, what you're hearing. All right, so with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.